and welcome to the third episode of Total Pod Mode. My name is Will, and I'm joined here by my good friend, co-host, and fellow gaming enthusiast, James. What's going on, you gaggle of gargantuan gophers? How are you feeling today, James? A little sore, if I'm being honest with you, but otherwise, not too bad. It's a good sore, so I can't really complain. Sore, how comes? You've been working out? Yeah, gym sore. Hitting some numbers, you know, trying to do shit, so... Getting those gains, yeah. it's got to be done. Got to chase the gains, get on that game train, <laughs> motherfucker. How about you, man? How you doing? I'm doing good, man. I was a little tired earlier. Um, I did have a late night last night. I stayed up until about 3am trying to complete your Borderlands challenge. Um, but I'm feeling really great now. I drank like nine espressos, just finished a McDonald's, had a milkshake. Hey, oh, shit, man. Is, this, is that healthy? I mean, are you feeling all right? <laughs> oh, no, man. It's fine. Don't worry. The sweating and chest pain stopped a while ago now. I mean, that's not a good thing. Are you, are you How are you alive? <laughs> it's fine, man. Once we start the pod, I doubt I'll even notice the pain in my left arm. I mean, that doesn't sound too hot. Do you need a doctor or some shit? No way, man. I've even got bath salts for later if you notice me start to drop off. Please tell me that you mean smelling salts is in like ammonia and for God's sake, put that shit away. Oh <laughs> shit, yeah, you're right. Um, I think smelling salts is what the guy was selling out of the back of Holland and Barrett's. Holy shit, man. Anyway, James, that's enough rambling. Uh, let's let the listeners know where else they might be able to find us. You can, as always, find the podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and pretty much anywhere else you get your podcasts by searching for Total Pod Mode. We also post regular video content of our playthroughs, stream highlights, as well as the podcast on our YouTube channel, Total Pod Mode. You can also find us on Twitter by searching for at Total Pod Mode, all one word. Or you can find me at Hoodafunk on Twitter, and I'm also on Twitch under twitch.tv forward slash Hoodafunk. That's W H O. D-A-H-F-U-N-K. And you can find me on Twitter at Mr. Bames, all one word. Uh, and I'm also on Twitch uh, under twitch.tv slash Mr. Bames underscore TPM. And if you go there right now, you'll see some excellent content. <laughs> excellent lack of content. Yeah. It's, a, it's a very tidy workspace you've got going on over on your Twitch portfolio. I mean, it's incredibly clean. <laughs> no, no one can have a go at me for having a messy Twitch channel. With all that said, James, let's get on with the show. Sounds good, man. Okay, James, so as you know, we like to start off every episode, our first topic, with a quick catch-up between the two of us as to what games we've been playing this week. Uh, why don't you go first? No worries, man. Uh, so I haven't really played a huge range of games this week. I mean, there's there's only really three that I probably want to talk about. Randomly, at the start of the week, I played Titan Quest, the Anniversary Edition. Oh, right, okay. I feel like that name does ring a bell, but I haven't actually played it before. Definitely not. No, so it's... um. I'm sure there's a name for the genre of games that I'm just forgetting, but it's kind of like your Diablo type game, your sort of looting ARPG, um, top down isometric views, um, but instead of being abilities and cooldowns, and yeah, things all like that, that good stuff, yeah. yeah. Um, but instead of being sort of set in a demonic scene like the Diablo series, it's uh, based on Greek mythology, and I think it sort of follows um, Sparta and things like that. Um, like, if right. for example, I've, I've met General Leonidas. Nice. So it's kind of, I think it's got some historical, historically accurate people in there. But I mean, I've got to say, I didn't really get very far in it because I spent probably way longer than I should have achievement hunting for there was there's an achievement for uh james you filthy achievement whore. yeah no it's it's true i can't deny it um there's, there was an achievement for uh 
going from level one to two without taking any damage. And you'd be surprised oh, you'd be right. surprised how hard that is. Okay. And how long did this take you then to, to do that? Oh man, it was it was a good couple of hours. Yeah, I think I've got I've got like six six or seven hours total playtime in the game and like at least two two, two and a half of those were trying to get this achievement, so did this actually involve you just repeating the same section over and over again, essentially yeah. restarting the game over and over, trying to get that perfect run through yeah. the through the level? And there were, and there was a couple of times where I thought I'd done it, but the achievement didn't pop, which means I must have got hit. Uh, like a little status effect lingering in the background or something. Something maybe. like that, and like because your health regens quite quickly after combat. Yeah. I just obviously I got hit by like one thing and then didn't notice. Right. Okay. Um, okay. So I had to. I actually ended up having like strats and things and there were reset points. It ended up being like a, a challenge run almost, but a really mini one. Um, and not very entertaining, if I'm being honest with you. It essentially, it just involves uh, buying a bow at the start and then just uh, getting lucky with the enemy spawns because they're random each time. Okay, okay. So the bow, does that just allow you to deal with enemies from a distance so you don't risk exactly that. physical... Right, okay. Like you start okay. off with just a knife, but the first few enemies are distracted by a horse which is exactly as weird as it sounds, but they're, they're running around trying to chase this geezer's horse, so you can just go in and attack them. Oh, right, okay, okay. They're just all aggroed for some reason on this poor horse, and you're just free to backstab. Exactly that, yeah. Um, unless you really make a meal of it, and then you can actually have one of them attack you. But I mean, what did this horse do to deserve this treatment? Oh, I think that these were just, um, they were satyrs or satyrs or however you pronounce it. Uh, so they, I don't think there was any rhyme or reason to it. I think they just uh, wanted this guy's horse. Really wanted the horse. Wanted to uh, murder the guy's horse. Well, I mean, they were definitely attacking it. So yeah, I guess so. Yeah, so no, um, I, I, I played that for a bit. You know, it's quite good fun. Um, the irony was that literally the night before I, I had uninstalled two other games like that, which is uh, Grim Dawn and Path of the Exile or Path of Exile. Those are two titles that, once again, I'm familiar with, but haven't played myself. Yeah, no, both very good, but I literally uninstalled them because I thought, right, I need some space on my PC, and I'm not playing these games at the moment. Then the next day, I literally installed Titan Quest and played it, mm. so very weird. I wanted to take you back, actually, because you mentioned that the game was set within the Greek pantheon, and uh, I was curious as to what sort of enemies are you fighting. Immediately, I'm thinking uh, very much kind of God of War type enemies, Minotaurs, Hydra, uh, you know, maybe some sort of like sand enemies, things like that. What are you fighting? So as I say, I said briefly there, um, Satyrs I was fighting. It's kind of like a Minotaur, but a goat rather than a bull. Oh, oh right. Okay, yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah so yeah, like they're like goat yeah. men. Um, what else have I fought? Warthogs. Okay, well, classic. <laughs> the classic. Yeah, everyone. Yeah. Why do warthogs get such a bad rap in video games? I don't know, man. It's like they're either a pet, like for your druid class in a in an old school, like D and D type rules game, like a Neverwinter Nights if you're a druid or something like that. Or they're just like basic bitch enemy number one that you have to kill in like your first mission. It's really weird. Or something that you ride in a mini game. I mean, I for one am fed up with the tokenization of warthogs in video games as being some sort of lesser species, and uh, I think that we need to start doing something about that. So what I'm hearing there is uh, you want some sort of warthog video game? I mean, it doesn't need to be a dedicated warthog game. I just think that we need to have, you know, equal representation amongst warthogs and all land-based mammals. I think I don't see why warthogs keep getting put down time after time. Hey man, you're probably right. Maybe petition to Peter, and I'm sure they might help you out with that. 
Mm, oh, yeah, okay. we'll give it a go. It's probably worth a shout. No, they'll probably, <laughs> to be fair, they'll probably just be like, oh, don't put warthogs in games. It's cruel to animals. <laughs> uh, they don't like being digitized. And where do they get all this cow blood that they're splashing on people, James? That's what I want to know. Oh, I'm sure the cows aren't giving it up willingly. I, I wasn't there, so I don't know. <laughs> no comment, no comment. Yeah. Sorry, Peter. <laughs> Um, so, was there anything else that you wanted to pick up about Tyson Quest? I have um, seen that there. I think there is a Hydra boss at some point. I yeah, I there's got to be. I mean, it's got to be. Yeah. I, I wouldn't mind betting there's a Cyclops at some point too. Again, also wouldn't mind betting there's a Minotaur, but I just I haven't got that far. Hmm. Yeah, I'm trying to even think if I even beat a boss. Can't can't remember. Oh no, I did. I did beat a boss. Sorry. Yeah, the boss. But the boss was one of them was King of the Centaurs or something. And one of them was this a satyr um, shaman. So it's kind of just upgrades of the enemies you're already fighting and things like that. So yeah, I did fight a couple of centaurs too. Just kind of, yeah, badass versions. I mean, King of the Centaurs is pretty good going. Um, but really, that's all I've got to say about Titan Quest. It was a very much a sort of sporadic, I just fancy playing this sort of game. I've, I've put it down already. I don't know if I'll go back and play it. Uh, but you know, hey, who knows? But outside of that, um, I also carried on my Thymesia run. Nice. Yeah, I've been looking forward to hearing how you got on with this. You've still been playing this. We're into our third week now, I think, of your progress into the game. We um, certainly are. So how have you been finding it? It's it's really good, man. It's it's very, very fun. It's enjoyable. It's uh, it's. I don't want to say it's getting easier. I think it's more I'm getting better. I, yeah. I mentioned, um, I think it was on last week's episode, I mentioned that I'd done sort of one of the first main bosses and I and I found the difficulty spike between phase one and two really tough. Yes, yeah, I remember. Um, since then, I have probably fought another four bosses and I did... Okay, you're making some good progress there. Yeah, and I did... Uh, I did Three of them first time. Right, okay. So how are you finding it in terms of difficulty now, given that you've completed three of them first time? Does it still stand, your opinion, or...? Getting to the like the levels are still relatively tough. Like the the way the enemies are spread out is is challenging in the sort of way that a Souls game would be in terms of you know there's ones hidden around the corner that can then ram you with their spear. Um, there's some sort of bigger enemies that sort of take more hits to take down, and they're in conjunction with smaller mobs that come in and sort of run at you off screen and things. So it's got that challenge to it. But I must say I'm finding the bosses a little easier now. Um, the the most recent boss I just fought. Um, was very very predictable it's actually the tutorial right. boss um that you fight again um and you know it was very well telegraphed especially in phase one i mean that seems like uh the fact that you're coming back to a boss is quite a recurring theme uh in some of the other games that are like it we've said from the beginning that this is a souls-like title and uh, i do distinctly remember you telling me in the first episode that you had just that encounter where you uh you'd actually died to the initial boss but uh yeah so you're finally come back for vengeance now and it's taken you roughly how long to get there uh, i've been playing for somewhere between seven and eight hours total okay and i uh, when i finished that last boss i got a little pop-up when i got teleported back to the hub world um saying ah i think you've completed all your memories now like are you ready to go into your final one so i don't know if that means i'm near the end of the game or not or if it's a sort of uh, a bait and switch type deal um but uh you know yeah, well, they make it look like it's coming to yeah. the end and then kind of, oh, actually, that was just the minion of the true dark dude. Exactly. I have seen, I haven't watched the video, but I've seen a video of a world record speed run 18 minutes for this game okay, so i, so I right, do wonder okay. whether that but it could be it's glitchy is there's still bugs it's still early um 
so it might just be that there's glitches that you can do that but i you know if the next section that i go to and the next level i finish is the final level i can see how someone might be able to speed run it that quickly yeah but hey man i'm I'm there for it it's it's really good fun uh it reminds me more of bloodborne than it does of dark souls in terms of the combat there's mm. quick steps is there guns there is guns isn't there uh not exactly no there's no guns but you can you can parry by throwing feathers at people and oh, okay. it works in oh, a not kinda... too dissimilar way to the pistol in bloodborne but with less range as long as the thing hits them within a certain window they'll stagger yeah that sort of thing and it, but and i think it's also only on critical attacks so they'll it's very obvious when an enemy's going to do a critical attack and then you can interrupt it by doing that um, but I'm not really using that mechanic too much, in all honesty, because it's got a quick step. So I just, you know, just, just dodge. use quick yeah. step. <laughs> um, but no, man, I, I thoroughly recommend it. And, you know, I'm sure that uh, I'll give it a bit more of a deep dive explanation once I finish it and I can, you know, can give my full opinion. But uh, so far, I think it's really good. Definitely worth buying day one, as I did. I'm, I don't regret that decision at all. And worth the wait, because I'd actually been looking forward to it for a, a significant number of months since I discovered it. So, yeah, very happy with it, man. Very happy. With it. I don't know about you, but Thymesia actually kind of snuck up on me. I wasn't really aware of it myself, actually, until you'd mentioned it on uh, the first episode of the pod um so it had been kind of one of those out of the blue titles which does surprise me given that everything you say about it the way that you describe it it sounds like right up my street i've got to say a lot of the things that you describe about thymesia does make me think of another upcoming souls like title that's called the lies of p um to my knowledge it doesn't yet have a release date but it's planned to come out some point in 2023 on playstation 4 5 xbox series x xbox one and the pc really releasing on previous gen yeah absolutely yeah it's releasing on the playstation 4 as well well currently like i say it's current planned release date of 2023 i'm sure there's you know a lot can happen between now and then they may well uh give up on that poor who knows or you know or or they may well carry on and everything's fine but i would highly recommend you check out that video after the pod james because um again you're mentioning bloodborne i know you're a big fan and uh lies of p looks like the most bloodborne thing to bloodborne since bloodborne oh wow so. okay yeah, I mean, if you're into... Uh, if you're into Bloodborne. <laughs> if you're thinking Thymesia reminds you of Bloodborne, I'd like to see you after you've... Uh, I'd like to speak to you next week after you've seen the trailer for Lies of P. We can maybe talk about that a little bit then. I'll be sure to check it out, man. That that does sound right up my street. Interestingly, you mentioned other Souls-likes that are due to come out soon. There is also another one that I'm aware of, which I'm not sure you've heard of. And, and I say Souls-like with a, with a slightly sort of reserved tone because I'm not 100... Knowing who made it, I'm not 100% sure whether it is going to be like like a souls like but it's called steel rising steel rising no that's completely escaped me as well so if i'm not mistaken it's made by spiders who are the same people that made greedful which as you know i've, I've really enjoyed greedful yeah yeah and from what i gather it is set in france and you are some sort of masked person. I mean, I don't even want to sex the person because I'm not 100% sure what they are. Um, they're quite androgynous. But um, but yeah, and, and it looks, it's, it's sort of got that sort of dark, gothy type feel, but it looks it looks very interesting it's sort of got similar mechanical style to thymesia in the sense that it looks like there's a lot of range of like different weapons you can use and things like that but um okay i'm kind of keeping it 
as you can tell, I don't know massive amounts about it because I think it's due to come out in the next couple of weeks. It's sometime this month, I believe. And I very much intend to go into that game pretty blind, like I did with Thymissia. So yeah, watch this space on that. But that that should be an interesting one as well. Definitely sounds like something worth keeping your eyes built yeah, for. Yeah, it's on the wish list, man. On the wish list. Did you have any other games that you wanted to talk about this week? Uh, so, man, the only other thing I've played this week um, was I've played a little bit of Tetris Effect which is something that I sort of periodically go back to. I, I had it on Games Pass initially on my Xbox, um, but then I, I saw it on Steam sale, I forget which one, very rarely goes below 20 quid. Why do you reckon that is? Stingy uh, stingy game studios not wanting to discount a classic? It could be that. It could also be something to do with the... Because the whole game has got... I mean, the soundtrack is just excellent. There may be it might be something to do with like artist rights or some sort of thing like that because like there's some really good tunes on there. Hey, they got to get paid those Tetris composers. Hey, well, you know, uh, that the the guy that made Tetris made no money off it, which I always find crazy. But no, so yeah, a bit of Tetris effect was uh, really all else I've been playing. Not a great deal to say about it in terms of playing. You know, it's Tetris. How does Tetris effect vary from? Tetris. So it has colors now. It does have colors now. Uh, <laughs> there's uh, there's quite a few. There's a few different game modes. So there's um, a mode called Journey, which just is essentially it's, it's your campaign, if you like. Like each level is themed, so it has a an accompanying song. And whenever you rotate your Tetraminos, you get like a a little bit that you can add to the song. It's, I've got to stop you there. Tetraminos yeah. is that actually the the name of the Tetris is, pieces? Yeah. Ah, I mean, I thought we were here for gaming and comedy. I didn't know we were branching out into an education podcast. Hey. But there you go, man. That's clearly uh, your calling in this podcast. I wouldn't count on me for or just being, being the Tetris tidbits. guy. I'm just the guy sweating in the corner because he drank nine espressos before recording. Hey, man, you said you were fine. <laughs> Okay, you I'm said fine. I'm holding in. I mean, my hands have gone numb. Uh, you know, I, I can see my eyes pulsing. Uh, but I think we're good. Yeah. We're good. We'll, let's not get distracted. Let, back back oh, to the no, podcast. That's fine. Anyway, back to Church's effect. There are other modes aside from that. Sort of marathon mode, sprint mode. There's a lot of cool stuff to be getting on with, you know. And as I say, the soundtrack is so, so, so good. I mean, it's almost worth playing just for that have to play in headphones you, you can't be playing straight from the speakers you know I'll, I'll probably keep dipping in and out of tetris effect it's one of those games where you're not going to play it for days and days on end necessarily but always good for, i mean i've always loved tetris even from the game boy days so um and you know hey i like the soundtrack on that one too but that one can make you go insane if you listen to it long enough at least in tetris effect connected it's right. sort of, uh, you know there's actually some tunes and stuff so but that's me, man. That's uh, that's pretty much all I've been playing this week. Um, how about you? Outside of uh, challenge mode, which I imagine we'll get into later, what else have you been playing? Well, um, no, you're absolutely right. Before we get ahead of ourselves, um, there has been very little I have played this week other than Borderlands. So I won't, uh, obviously, we'll wait until the time to discuss our challenge before we get onto that. The only thing I have done that's of any note this week, other than obviously playing through Borderlands, um, was watch Rings of Power just no longer than about an hour and Ooh. a half ago. Uh, so hot off the press. Hot off the press. Uh, so I opened my phone today and I opened my Amazon app as I as a consumer and inclined and programmed to do uh, and the Amazon God told me that the Rings of Power was now out on Amazon there Video today so uh, like as any consumer would do I called up all my friends and we discussed to watch the series 
Uh, and so I sat there with uh, two good friends and we watched our way through the first episode. Shout out to Liam and Jem. What's up, boys? So we got through the first episode. I don't want to sort of go too deep into it, but I got to say, um, I like what I saw so far. The introduction in the first sort of 20 minutes was fairly action packed. It seemed like they used CGI well, but it was also quite evident from some of the scenes early on that they were using quite a few practical effects as opposed to computer generated imagery. Um, the orcs that I did see uh looked really nice. good uh the battle scenes that i saw were making me kind of think back to the scenes in the original movies like uh helm's deep that's big praise uh, man so that's big yeah praise. it's it's looking positive uh you can tell that they've absolutely gone a bit crazy with the budget here that's be- it's big daddy bezos mate yeah big daddy bezos is uh bringing home the big bucks putting out the big bucks apparently his son's apparently a massive uh lord of the rings slash tolkien fan and when Amazon won the rights to do the show, he literally went to his dad, Jeff Bezos, and said, Please, Daddy, don't ruin it, my don't ruin my Pretty favorite much. Show, his exact words were, Please, book. Dad, don't fuck this up. That's literally the quote from Jeff Bezos. Like, my son said to me, Don't fuck this up. Okay. What did he say? I'm oh, sorry. Well, by the sounds of it, he may may have given his son his wish, but uh, we'll see. Like, like you say, I'm. Uh, I don't. I don't want you to go too deep into it personally because I intend to watch this at some point. But it is nice yes, to hear yeah. that the signs are positive because I've got to admit I wasn't sure, man. So other than uh, Rings of Power, which I, I don't want to go into too much detail, I feel like it's too fresh off the board to say anything about without putting people off listening uh, to this section who are actually interested in watching it. Um, so yeah, that really was, uh, without getting too ahead of myself, the only thing that I've actually touched this week other than Borderlands. No Final Fantasy fourteen this week? No more updates from the adventures of Bjorn the Vieira? No more updates from Bjorn the Vieira, I'm afraid. I really had to kind of knuckle down this week. And, uh, you know, I, like I said at the end of the episode, I took this challenge seriously. I said I was going to put in a seriously concerted effort. And God damn it well, if I, I didn't, James. I look forward to hearing all about it. But before we move on to that, James, uh, let's discuss a little bit of current gaming news. This week in gaming news, I read an article that said that the UK's Competition Regulator, Competition and Markets Authority, has raised concerns about Microsoft's $68.7 billion deal to buy Activision Blizzard. The CMA warned that the Xbox owner's proposed takeover of the company could substantially lessen competition in gaming consoles, multi-game subscription services, and cloud gaming services. What do you make of that, James? I mean, off the bat, I don't really understand what the big deal is i mean for as long as i can remember you've had exclusives and whilst i understand the activision blizzard own call of duty and world of warcraft you know two of the biggest sort of multi-platform well world of warcraft isn't really a pc exclusive but um call of duty is certainly one of the biggest cross-platform titles there is i'd say and so i so i do understand from a keeping the marketplace fair perspective that there might be some concerns there but at the same time i don't believe there's any confirmation from xbox that they'd be looking to make it exclusive nor do i think that it's in microsoft or activision blizzard's best interest to make them exclusive and given that phil spencer's mantra on gaming is typically we want people to be playing games in our ecosystem but we want everyone to be playing with everyone i don't see them making them exclusive particularly such big cash cows but hey 
I, I, I don't know enough about this story to comment. So maybe maybe there's some, some meat that you can get into that will help help us make sense of this. Well, it's interesting that you mentioned Phil Spencer. He's actually been quoted on this particular subject saying, we will continue to enable people to play with each other across platforms and across devices. We know players benefit from this approach because we've done it with Minecraft, which continues to be available on multiple platforms. It's also mentioned in the article that the next Call of Duty title is due to release both at the same time on PlayStation as well as Xbox. Phil Spencer is also quoted as saying, As we extend our gaming storefront across new devices and platforms, we will make sure that we do so in a manner that protects the ability of developers to choose how to distribute their games. Uh, so it sounds, you know, exactly as you said, it's very much in line with his previous statements. Um, you know, he's very much sounding like he's sticking to the, you know, the ethos of gaming for all, um, which is reassuring to hear in this. Um, I think that I suppose some of the concerns raised by the CMA are probably over such large acquisitions that Microsoft has made, you know, as you've said, rightly so. Call of Duty is absolutely one of the biggest cross-platform uh, game franchises out there. Uh, you know, you couple that with Bethesda, who are responsible for the Elder Scrolls series, uh, Doom, as well as Fallout, uh, uh, Dishonored. Plenty of popular titles that, you know, there's absolutely scope for sequels and things like that, that, you know, if Xbox wanted to, I assume they would be within their rights to make Xbox exclusives. So I feel like this is less about the reality of a uh, monopoly over some of the largest gaming franchises. I think this is more about the potential for a monopoly should Xbox chose to impose that on the players. Yeah, and I, and I think that's why it's probably correct that the cma are looking at it um do i think it's an issue no i don't i don't think it's an issue at all for the reasons i've stated already i i don't see either xbox microsoft or activision blizzard seeing any sense in making call of duty xbox exclusive i think you cut out half if not more of your market because i do believe the playstation player base is slightly larger Agreed, you're shooting yourself in the foot there. Yeah. There's absolutely money to be made and it seems to be insanity to restrict it to to purely the people that are playing Xbox and I assume PC. Yeah, well... You would have to assume PC. You have to assume <laughs> There's no PC. way it's not coming, yeah. But no, I mean, I, I see no reason to have any worries about Call of Duty. As you mentioned Bethesda, I can see some Bethesda games becoming Xbox exclusive further down the line. Like, you know, if there's going to be a Fallout 5 at some point, don't be surprised if that's Xbox exclusive or it's a year yeah. is a yearly timed or something like that. Elder Scrolls Six. Don't be surprised if that's a yearly timed exclusive or Xbox exclusive. But something like Call of Duty, no chance. I I, I will be staggered if they make that an exclusive anytime soon. I mean, if they were to uh, to flirt with the idea of exclusivity on Xbox, the onus would be back on PlayStation to sort of maintain the calibre of exclusive titles that they've had on the previous generation. They would really need to pull something out and make sure that PlayStation 5 was a real generation to remember because of the titles exclusive for that, that generation. Yeah, but they both need to f*** off with this. Just stop exclusives. Let's all be able to play yeah. everything. I mean... We're in a relatively privileged position that we, we own PCs now, so we're kind of not really affected by it so much anymore. Not so much. I mean, no. it's still there. It's, it's actually more, if anything, it's it's Sony the one that's uh, meaning that we're affected by it more now yeah. because they're, they're, again, restricting uh, what's available yeah. on here. It's not like Last of Us 2 has made its way to PC or, you know, every day I touch wood and 
pray to the gods that Bloodborne somehow makes an appearance. Oh, please. I'm just watching James put his hands together please. now or close his eyes. Bloodborne and Demon Souls, <laughs> that's all I want. Just give me Bloodborne and Demon I don't even care if there's a Bloodborne 2, honestly. Just give me Bloodborne. Oh, I don't even care if there's Demon Souls. I just need Bloodborne. I mean, if we're being real, yeah. Bloodborne's the main one. I, de- I, I, I would love to play it. Demon's Souls. The, like, the remaster, I'd love to play. but I don't want to uh, to push things with uh, the Miyazaki gods. But, uh, you know, I'll, I'll take just Bloodborne. Yeah, wow. It doesn't even need to be up Please, I just need to play Bloodborne in like a six, <laughs> solid six frame rate. Yes. Just give me six. I'll take a solid 30 at this point. Oh, yeah, that's true, yeah. <laughs> just Bloodborne on Steam, please. 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 Uh, so very quickly, back to the news around the Competition and Markets Authority. Due to the concerns that the CMA has raised about the deal between Microsoft and Activision Blizzard, the two companies now have five working days to submit proposals to address the concerns. If suitable suggestions are not submitted, the deal will be referred for a phase two investigation, which basically means uh, an independent panel of experts will examine the issues in more detail. So, you know, it sounds like that's essentially just the next stage of investigation that's the next stage of escalation it'll be interesting to see whether the two companies actually manage to turn around a uh, five working day response for these concerns even if it ends up getting to a stage two or phase two investigation i do not see this deal falling through you don't think this is now on thin ice no not at all i i think that the players involved are too big for it to fall through I think there's the where there's money, there's a way, unfortunately, in the business world. Um, but equally, I also don't think there's grounds for it to fall through. I, I truly believe that this acquisition by Microsoft is not to sort of shit on everyone else. I think it is to, it, the intention is to keep it as is, but maybe just, you know, give it that slightly more sort of Microsoft touch. I mean, there's a lot of reports coming out of Activision Blizzard about poor working conditions, poor pay, overworked staff. Microsoft typically, not always the case, but typically have a quite a good handle on that sort of thing. They've got a good reputation. Um, they've obviously spent many years now building up their portfolio of studios. Um, you know, Obsidian's now under them. Obviously, they've got Bethesda recently and now this. And they seem to take quite a hands-off approach in terms of leaving their studios to kind of do their own thing in a lot of ways, uh, you know, for better or for worse. I'm, I'm now just considering that it was also announced today that the Halo co-op campaign for split-screen I think actually just the Halo overall co-op campaign has actually been cancelled by 343 Studios. Uh, so yeah. they did absolutely promise that I think it was Halo 5 did not have co-op, or at least it only had online-only yeah. co-op and not split-screen co-op. Um, they did promise shortly after that that every Halo title going forward would indeed have split-screen co-op, only for them to fall at the first hurdle and not deliver that on their next venture into the Halo yeah. series. But that whole the whole Halo Infinite thing was kind of a mess anyway, wasn't it? I've I've heard mostly good things about the campaign, uh, but the multiplayer, particularly issues around progression, leveling up, and unlocks and things like that, seem to be where most of the issues are at. Uh, that and also lack of content. I mean, Forge mode is still not released. Uh, it's taken them so long to release. Uh, you know, the kind of the fractured experience anyway. Multiplayer came out way before single player, but. You know, uh, you know, one thing after the other, but I think outright cancelling something is is not a good sign for this. Especially game. Couch Co-op, which a lot of people were up in arms about the the sort of the lack of two new titles that are coming out with it. You know, so seemed like it would be an easy win for Xbox there, and if they're cancelling it, um, that's not a good sign, as you say. No, not at all. 
Uh, but we got way off yeah, topic we really there. Did, yeah. uh, we were talking about the <laughs> we were talking about the uh, competition and Marcus Authority. Just to wrap that up, um, yeah, I'll be interested to see where this goes. As you say, uh, I don't think that this is any sort of real threat to the acquisition of Activision Blizzard by Microsoft. But I think that it will be interesting to see whether this actually does make it to a phase two investigation or whether both Microsoft and Activision Blizzard are able to to actually meet the requirements of the CMA. Yeah, and, I, and I think they'll be fine. I, I, I see no issue with it. But, you know, watch this space, I guess. Um Five, five crazier things have happened. Crazier things have happened, and five working days is not a particularly long time to put something of this magnitude together. So let's see what happens. Yeah, I mean, we got sixty-eight, almost sixty-nine billion dollars nice. in the uh, in the midst of all this. <laughs> nice. Why didn't they? I mean, what stopped them from adding that extra three hundred uh, million to make it a nice round sixty-nine billion? Uh, tax, probably. Yeah. Tax, yeah, tax, tax on top. Okay, uh, so in other news, uh, an article I picked up recently from Game Rant. Recent rumours surrounding the next Nintendo Direct suggest that it will be taking place during the week of September 12th. And apparently it will be a, quote, Zelda blowout. The Legend of Zelda Wind Waker and the Twilight Princess are said to be getting Switch ports. Interesting. How are you feeling about those Switch ports, James? Do either of those two games uh, excite you at all? I've, well, I've played neither of them. Because if correct me if I'm wrong, Wind Waker was GameCube, which I never owned. GameCube was original release. You never, never owned, owned GameCube, GameCube. Much no? to my chagrin, I never owned a GameCube. I actually switched from N64 to PS2 uh, for GTA right, 3, okay. basically. Which uh, decision I don't regret. Uh, I mean, you traded Wind Waker for GTA yeah. 3. I can't say it's a bad That's decision. All. I would have only played Mario Sunshine and uh, Smash Bros Melee anyway. The point is, I've never played either of them, so I can't say I am that excited. I'm not not excited. I do like me some Zelda, but I, I don't have much of an opinion on it. I, you know, I think they already ported uh, Ocarina of Time and Majora's Mask, and they'd, they'd be the ones I'm interested in. So Yeah, and actually speaking uh, to a friend of ours today, uh, you know, I was actually discussing these titles, and they did say that the Ocarina of Time and Majora's Mask ports weren't particularly good. Uh, so, you know, that's, that's a bit of a shame yeah. as well. Have you played them, either of these Zelda titles? Um, so, as I've mentioned to you many times in the past, James, uh, I've never actually grown up with a Nintendo console outside of the very first NES. Uh, so I've got very little experience with playing Zelda titles until a couple years ago, where I finally got my hands on a Nintendo Switch. And since then, I've had a chance to get acquainted with Breath of the Wild. Yeah, very little experience with Zelda games. This doesn't mean very much to me, other than it is feeding my compulsion to own every single Switch exclusive. Uh, so, you know, these titles are likely to find themselves in my library at some point in the future. So, alongside the announcement of the Legend of Zelda Wind Waker and Twilight Princess titles, there's also been a recent announcement for Skyrim Anniversary Edition, which has been recently rated for the Nintendo Switch. So, James, as you're aware, you've even mentioned to me yourself, Skyrim does already exist on the so Switch. It does. However, it is just the original version that was ported to the Switch. Uh, you know, I think it contains the majority, if not all, of the expansions, as well as maybe some slightly updated content. But I think that's about where they stop. Yeah, I think it's the special edition. So it would have had the graphics up res and all that good stuff, but it's not uh, none of the added bells and whistles. Like, I don't think it's got the mod creator and things like that, for example. No, and I think that with the anniversary edition, in case people didn't know, I think it includes all of the content from the Creation Club. 
uh, so people are able to have all of that content pre-installed and ready to go. Uh, so, you know, that adds in some extra activities. I don't think that there's a great deal to say about the Skyrim Anniversary Edition coming to the Switch. And to be honest, uh, I agree with you. I don't think that the Anniversary Edition coming to Switch is much of a story. I wouldn't imagine that it gets much time at all at the Nintendo Direct. I think it'll probably be like, a, oh yeah, and finally Skyrim Anniversary Edition's coming to the Switch. We've figured out the 11th way to sell you Skyrim. <laughs> yeah, man, even I haven't bought the Anniversary Edition and I'm a super fan, so... If you want me to pay £15 to fish... And you still get the fifteen. <laughs> you get the fishing uh, missions anyway. Like, come on now. Okay. Um. So with that, we might as well move on to our third news item of the day, which is that the Last of Us Part One releases today. Uh, so today being the second of September, the title will be available on the PlayStation Five exclusively. Currently, it's been in the media quite a bit lately, uh, with people accusing it of being some sort of cash grab. Uh, you know, as well as the fact that the original title didn't actually need a remake. Um. Although I have to say, from these screenshots I've seen, I have slightly mixed opinions. Uh, about the design choices they've made you can absolutely tell from a detailed perspective from the majority of cutscenes i've made that it looks like they're stepping in all the right directions and the the graphical fidelity uh is much clearer and much more on par with the last of us part two um although from the screenshots i've seen i feel like the lighting and the color balance perhaps is actually more interesting and pleasing to my eyes personally in the original uh, Last of Us. I should mention that I've played The Last of Us 1 all the way through on the PlayStation 3 and then again with the Enhanced Edition on the PlayStation 5. Um, I don't have a huge appetite to pick this title up again, uh, mostly because I played this through fairly recently, shortly before the release of Last of Us 2. So, uh, you know, I did have a great time on Last of Us 2 and, you know, I was keen hearing about the fact that some of the initial reports from The Last of Us 1 were that it was going to alter the gameplay, uh, you know, which immediately set me off thinking that some of the new systems that they'd added to Last of Us 2, like the ability to go prone as well as dodge attacks and interact with the environment in different ways, uh, you know, it made me interested to see what they could do with that and how they could kind of elevate the first game by incorporating those elements in. News has since come out confirming actually that uh, a lot of those things such as the crawling, dodging, going prone won't be back in Last of Us Part 1 and they are going to retain a lot of the core gameplay mechanics and feel of the first game. So this feels like much more of a, uh, you know, a very heavy graphics overhaul, as few as a few changes in terms of trophies, uh, you know, collectible items unlockable modes as well as some accessibility upgrades as well that again bring it more in line with last of us part two how do you feel about this announcement james it's hard for me to have a huge opinion on this having never played either of the games i mean arguably for you you stand to gain the most value out of a an enhanced version like this having not played the first title uh, you know, and given what I've heard about it so far, it definitely seems like if you were to want to start the Last of Us series from the very beginning, it sounds like it would be more worthwhile playing this uh, this remade edition as opposed to the first title or the enhanced edition. It may well be, man. Um, I, I've got to be honest again, uh, potentially a trash take here. Last of Us really doesn't interest me all that much. Oh wow! So, okay, well, well, f you right? F me, right? <laughs> I, I mean, I know that I know the stories. I've seen. I've. I know. I basically. I know all the stuff that goes on. But I've seen get the first one especially. I've seen gameplay, like from watching friends play and stuff like that. 
looks really clunky, looks kind of boring, if I'm honest. Really? Yeah, so... See, that's such an interesting take. I think this is a trash take. i, I got to be honest. Because uh, I, I find... You're telling me the control scheme in the first game is good? Yes, absolutely. Like, honestly, really? the first title to me had some of the most fluid gameplay in terms of mantling, hopping over objects, going into covered combat. And it's only improved in Last of Us 2. I mean, at this point, I've okay. got to urge you, James, to let me break out my little pen and paper here. I'll scribble this down, oh. perhaps, for a, a gamer challenge at some point. You're going to have to eat your words here and play Last of Us 1 or 2. Yeah. Well, no, 2 two's fine. 2 looks fine. 2 looks good. Like I'm talking specifically about 1. It looks like it controls like balls, from what I've seen. Um, and uh, the story is good. I'll give it that. The story is very good. It's engaging. I like where it goes. Um, I've seen the opening scene with um, Joel and his daughter trying to escape and some shit goes down. Yeah, yeah. Um, I've seen all that bit and, you know, and the psychological journey that he goes on throughout the whole story is very interesting. The storytelling is absolutely one of the strongest aspects of both titles, yeah. in my opinion. From that perspective, I, I'm very interested to see what it's like. But from a purely gameplay perspective, from what I've seen, it just doesn't look fun. Um, but again, I, I can't have too much of an opinion because I've not played it myself. No, I mean, you know, it's absolutely fair to have an opinion based on a first impression sort of thing. Yeah. Uh, we'll just have to see if that opinion changes over time. Yeah. Well, no, exactly. am, yeah, this is absolutely getting stuck on the back shelf for a game challenge at some point, if yeah. not already overridden the uh, challenge that I had in store for James <laughs> this week. <laughs> exactly. It was going to be this, but now you're playing fucking last Well, of guess us. what? We've switched a rude on you, baby. Yeah. But no, so um, so because of those reasons, I'm not, I'm neither excited nor upset by this. Is it's something that I can see why people are saying it's a cash grab, and I do in general have a problem with recent games being remastered so quickly. Like I really don't like this whole habit of, okay, shit, this popular PS4 game, uh, we're now just going to re up it for PS5 two years later. I don't like that. I think that is money grabbing. I think like build your new consoles to have backwards compatibility. I do think that um, given that a lot of these changes appear to be graphical as opposed to gameplay elements, it does make it a harder argument that uh, that this version of the game did need to exist. Or perhaps actually, I was considering this earlier. I feel like it would have almost been better to not release the enhanced edition, almost the halfway step. And I've just completely missed out that because I remember thinking at the time that doesn't need to exist. Going back to play this on the PlayStation 3, it appears to run smooth, although at a slower frame rate. I honestly feel like if they hadn't released that enhanced edition, this would be better received because people would be looking forward to it as opposed to thinking, well, I've already got this game that runs at 4K or at least upscaled to 4K at a pretty solid frame rate. I think it probably does run at 60. So Yeah, and I think that and correct me if I'm wrong, because you're more of a Last of Us fan than I am, for sure. Would people rather not they just focused on the third one? I mean, do we really need a rehash of the first one again, as you say? I mean, don't get me wrong, I know the third one's probably a good couple of years away, but... That's just what I was about to say. I do think that this series needs time to breathe in between instalments. Uh, you know, particularly given some of the sort of interesting reception, shall we say, to part two. Um, you know, oh, you can't, you can't have a girl being the hero. <laughs> that type of muscle mass is unachievable yeah. by a girl. <laughs> there's, there's no, there's no way she'd have been able to keep her mass in a fucking like apocalypse world. No oh, way. Oh man, I don't like God. to use the word, but so many incels upset over their lack of gains that they needed to take it out on her. 
a female video game antagonist. <laughs> the misogyny in, in the gaming industry is horrendous at times. It really deeply is. Deeply concerning. Yeah. <laughs> um, just, just be happy that she was a badass, guys. Like, come yeah. on, man. Like, <laughs> Jesus. Uh, but with all of that said, you know, I do think that this has potential uh, to still be an enjoyable title, although it's very unlikely that I'll be picking it anytime soon. It's certainly not going to sell me on buying a PlayStation 5, and unless I'm picking this up for sort of 10 to £15 pounds on PC, I, I genuinely think I'm just happy to go back and play my enhanced edition on the PlayStation 4 at this point. Yeah, and I, I think that's totally fair. Um, I mean, if you've already bought it once, bought the enhanced edition, Yeah, um, from that perspective, it does seem like a cash grab. Okay, James, uh, I think that's enough news for one day. I think it's time that we moved on to the Games Challenge. So, Will, tell me, how did you get on with Borderlands? As listeners to episode two will know, James challenged me to complete Borderlands last week. It was a title that I was really excited about playing. Uh, it's definitely something that I picked up a handful of times before. Uh, you know, I can safely say that I've played as all of the characters now uh, for short periods of time. However, this was the first time that I committed and actually stuck with a full playthrough as Lilith the Siren, uh, who is one of the four main characters of the game. And how did you find Lilith? Because uh, as I mentioned on the last episode, she is the one character that I don't have any experience with whatsoever, because the phase walk ability didn't excite me at all. Um, I've got to be honest, uh, the phase walk ability was something that I wasn't too sure about at first. Um, I did actually decide to play Lilith based on a coin toss, as discussed on the previous episode. Oh, nice. Um, the phase ability, uh, I think we kind of in error said last week that it doesn't really have any offensive capabilities to begin with. Um, I don't think that that was right. I think it starts with a very minor damage burst uh, when you enter your phase and when you leave your phase. You can usually stay in it for around three or four seconds or something like that, although upgrades can extend that time. But whenever you press the button to activate it and press the button again to exit it, or the timer runs out, uh, then you'll send out a little shockwave that damages nearby enemies. Okay. Um, and I've since upgraded that uh, through playing the game to emit electricity. So the whole time I'm in the phase, the sort of three or four seconds that I'm invisible, anyone that I come into close contact with while I'm in my phase ability, I can then charge with electricity. Uh, and I also upgraded the ability that on entering and exiting my phase, I also cover everything around me in acid. So I would essentially develop two status effects that I could inflict on people on entering and exiting. And it essentially led to this gameplay loop where I'd encounter a lot of players, I would activate my ultimate, quickly run around the battlefield, zipping between them all, and then try and end up right back at my start point, at which point I could exit my phase, everyone's being electrocuted and burned by acid, and then I can kind of mop up at the end. So yeah, a really enjoyable playstyle. Definitely something that I hadn't encountered before at all in Borderlands. And uh and you could have both those effects would neither of them part because typically you can have one effect that's your um your element thing that the name escapes me right now uh so i think you mean elemental artifacts and you're absolutely I do. right thank you one of those i was actually making use of so that was the one that i was using to inflict the acid damage right i'd also increase my melee ability so that i could inflict acid damage on any one of my punches um so this was a real kind of just absolute uh, mayhem of elemental effects popping off. It's also smart because acid, the acid will melt armor and the electricity will melt shields. So you're pretty much covered all bases there. 
Exactly. And then as if I didn't have it all covered, I also had an ability where whenever I killed someone for the next few seconds, I uh, emitted flames, which meant that anyone <laughs> chasing after me or that had come near me was then also instantly getting burned. So, you know, as I said there, um, you know, I had flame abilities, acid abilities, electric abilities, you know, I could have them all running simultaneously. Um, you know, uh, i got to say, this is the first time that I've invested as much time and effort into Borderlands as I did. Um, and I really, really enjoyed it. I think that previously I would have argued that this is the sort of game that you really want to play with friends and it's not that enjoyable to play on your own. Um, but I got to say, after playing it this time, my opinions completely changed on that. I found it a really enjoyable experience. You know, I think the fact that I was playing it solo led me to engage a bit more in the lore, uh, you know, appreciate the environments a bit more as opposed to running through them, just trying to get to the objective. And uh, yeah, no, I, I really see this game in a in a different light. That's good to hear. Because as, you know, as I said last week, it's one of my favourite, well, it's one of my favourite games, but it's my favourite Borderlands game, comfortably. Like, it's not even close. Um, you know, the way the characters all react to one another, you know. I think it's got arguably the best four characters, um, having played all the other ones. I mean, you know, shout-outs to Salvatore and uh, Axton from Borderlands 2. They're excellent as well. But And I suppose a little shout-out to Claptrap, the Claptrap you can be in, uh, <laughs> in pre-sequel, pre -sequel, but uh, yeah. not brilliant. But, uh, you know, I'm glad that you ended up having fun with because I too had a similar thing with Borderlands um, where you think, oh, this would be so much better multiplayer, but then you do get into it solo and uh, it actually ends up being a pretty fun game. I think one of the things I noticed and my main arguments for the fact that it would have been much better with friends is that on previous playthroughs I'd be fighting the boss and they just seemed to be so tanky, they had such a long health bar and I wasn't doing enough damage despite being at the level requirement for the mission. And it just led me to this, you know, this feeling that, oh god, you really need a second person there to actually also be shooting the boss to take down the health bar fast enough. Um, I can only assume that just through sort of cumulative experience of playing more RPGs <laughs> over time, it kind of led me to have a better experience this time around because, uh, you know, uh, I understand that Mordecai, the sniper, is kind of like the uh, the preferred solo character, kind of the meta character of the uh, the first game due to, you know, the ridiculous sort of critical damage that you can get with headshots and sniper rifles. But, you know, I, I gotta say, I felt like I absolutely stormed through this game as Lilith, and I think that that was a lot owing to the elemental attacks that I could do, coupled with the firepower. Well, I must admit, I never knew you could stack elements like that. Um, that's really, really cool. I mean, and this is the thing, I've never explored Lilith. I found that, so I did my most recent solo playthrough with Roland, and I found that very good because you have the turret, so you can chuck the turret out, it distracts enemies, can pick off some of the weaker ones, and then you're good to go. What I will say is after playing Borderlands 1, um, you know, I'm very, very much interested in getting into Borderlands 2 and pre-sequel. Um, you know, I'm well, sure there's... funny you say that. <laughs> uh, you know, I'm sure that uh, either through a game challenge or, you know, through finding some time to play together, I'm sure that I'll be knocking out those titles pretty soon. And Really looking forward to after my experience with this. I'd definitely be down for a carp run, man. Absolutely, yeah. Always I mean, down. maybe we could do that on stream, get a, a pre sequel or Borderlands 2 run going. Might even be able to get um, a third or fourth, potentially. That would be cool. Yeah, I think that, um, you know, it, it would be interesting to see. I know that we've kind of we've spoken a little bit privately about uh, Free in the past about some of the uh, jokes perhaps not landing particularly well. But, you know, i got to say, one of the strengths of this one was I actually did find the humour quite on point. I think um, 
Claptrap did a nice job of being his kind of usual over-the-top loud noisy self uh you know and wasn't sort of trying too hard which it felt like the character was in some of the later titles yeah, it's before he got too annoying right i mean his shtick is kind of an annoying person but it, it started to grow thin as you would imagine for someone whose whole gimmick is being annoying um you know and, and did he need to continue along that vein in the second game perhaps maybe he could have continued in the same vein he didn't need to double down <laughs> no, that's fair that's a fair comment. And how great is TK Baja, by the way? Yeah, absolutely. A big fan of TK, TK Baja. Baja. Yeah, yeah, had a lot of fun with him. Uh, you know, I got to experience TK Baja making friends with the Skag. Uh, oh, that you know, was brilliant. That's it was a beautiful a moment. Video. If uh, if you'd like to check that out, you can always head over to our YouTube as well as twitch.tv forward slash Hoodafunk. Um, I'll talk a little bit about the graphics. Uh, so that was one of the things I noticed immediately when picking up the game was the definition on the graphics was vastly superior to what I'd played previously on both the PlayStation 4 as well as the Xbox 360. I think that there was a lot of cool... Uh, it's like cell shading, I think is how they describe yeah, the art correct, style, isn't yeah. it? And it's, you know, it's just done really well. I mean, I think that Borderlands looks absolutely phenomenal considering that I wasn't playing the Enhanced Edition. This was the original Game of the Year edition. Yeah, and uh, I think, honestly, that probably comes down to what you said earlier about um, how previously when you've played it, you're sort of rushing to the next objective. Because um, I agree that the worlds are very detailed, particularly when you get later into the game into sort of more the more Iridian territories, the way mm. that that Iridian architecture sort of spikes out of the ground and things like that. It's, it's really cool. I mean, I think that the dungeon design uh, was actually really well done. Um, I think that, you know, this game could perhaps be accused of looking a bit samey. There isn't, I would say, a huge, uh, you know, difference in some of the biomes that you encounter. They're kind of more like tweaks to the biome, uh, you know, save for a few specific areas, as well as the Iridian caves, uh, you know, those can be quite you know, noticeably different to the rest of the game. Um, but that said, the actual dungeon design itself was was good. I, I really enjoyed the kind of mixture of claustrophobic hallways and environments for shootouts and chucking grenades down. And then you also had kind of the larger open environments, which made it feel like more of an open ground arena shooter, uh, you know, something like almost an RPG version of Serious Sam. And I got a real good sense of progression moving through the guns. You know, you start with some rusty pieces of shit and you end up moving on with some alien technology-looking pieces. So, oh, yeah. yeah, there's a good sense of progression there. You're absolutely right. Um, funnily enough, in Borderlands 1, is probably the weakest in terms of range of weapons because Borderlands 2 and beyond go absolutely ham with like some of the side effects and things like that. Yeah, I remember in Borderlands 2, you've got like a thing where when you reload your gun, you just throw it like a grenade, it explodes and then teleports Idiot back weapons, to your cans. Yeah, yeah. And the more ammo you have in your clip, uh, the more damage it does. So if you fire one shot and chuck it, it does a lot more damage than if you empty your clip and chuck it. But speaking of the weapons, did you encounter any cool legendary weapons or anything like that during your playthrough? Yeah, so particularly towards the end of the game, as you're fighting the Crimson Raiders, I believe, which are one of the factions in the game, uh, I did find a few cases with special Iridium weapons. Um, i got to say I didn't use them very much. They seemed like quite slow-travelling projectile-type weapons. I think one of them was called the Cannon, and it was very much just a giant ball of light that slowly travelled towards them. And, you know, that said, it did do a significant amount of damage compared to my weapons. But I suppose the hit reliability of my other weapons meant that I preferred to use them, because although the Iridium weapons were doing more damage, I was more reliably hitting with 
the stuff that I was previously using. So I kind of stuck to that, to be honest with you. I didn't get too much into the Iridium weapons. You know, the guns that I were using uh, were mostly electric-based, explosion-based, acid-based, flame-based. Well, yeah, if you were Lilith, that makes all the sense in the world, right? Because she powers up elementals. Exactly, yeah. And also the skills that I'd selected in my tree increased my elemental effect chance as well. So, you know, everything was really vibing. And, you know, I was having real fun putting together that build with so many uh, elemental interactions going on. Um, as an aside from that, uh, you know, I would, you know, I've mentioned a lot of positive things that I enjoyed about the game. Uh, there were some annoying bits of the game that I'd like to mention as well. I got so fed up of Claptrap appearing in my intercom every time I transferred to an area saying, hey, by the way, did you know Shep Sanders has new missions for you at the Something Something Bounty Board? There are new hey. missions available for you on the new, other New Haven Bounty Board. Hey, did you know, uh, what's the name of the guy that gives you the catch a ride? Uh, Scooter. Scooter, that's it. Hey, uh, did you know Scooter wants you to do a little something something for him in the Badlands? Or like, yeah. uh, Helena Pierce has got more missions for you at New Haven. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was just constant, you know, all the time that I wasn't accepting these missions at bounty boards and speaking to NPCs, I had this goddamn annoying robot in my ear telling me that they have missions for me. Yeah. I do get that it's a, you know, it's a good system for letting the player know, hey, by the way, if you haven't done these missions yet, or, you know, if you're not drawn to them by a waypoint, if you do go here, there is a load more missions for you. It works well. They just need to call it with the amount of times that you hear the same message. And, and again, this is probably not a problem that you would encounter if you were playing the game through sort of, you know, at a reasonable pace. But, you know, hey, daddy's got a challenge to beat. And, uh, you know, well, spoilers now. I'll just go ahead and say I did indeed beat the challenge. Um, so the now the cat's out of the bag. Uh, you know, I suppose I can move on to some of the later bits of the game. Uh, some of the more annoying things I noticed were um, there are occasional light emphasis on traversal and platforming sections in the game that require you to hop up different ledges to get a repair kit uh, for Claptrap. So as you'll be exploring some dungeons and sections of the games, you'll encounter a damaged Claptrap. Uh, you will need to locate the repair tool, which is hidden away somewhere in the level, and bring it back to him. And he usually rewards you with uh, opening a door to a hidden area of the game, which lets you uh, unlock a weapon loot chest, which will give you a random chance for a rare weapon. Uh, and but he more will also... importantly, yeah, more importantly, your inventory. exactly. Uh, you get a little chip that will go in your inventory, and once activated, will give you another three or four spaces in your inventory. Um, as I've mentioned previously, shooting and particularly looting is heavily emphasised in this game and more inventory space means more space to keep loot that you can then later sell. Yeah, that sweet, sweet Pandora dollar, baby. Um, but back to the platforming. I think this is uh, more a symptom of being a slightly older game. Uh, the platforming hasn't aged particularly well. I think that although it doesn't control particularly badly... I did find several instances where I was getting caught on a tiny bit of a level or there was some sort of invisible wall which meant that whenever I tried to walk in a doorway if I was slightly to the left I would be pushed out of the doorway despite the fact that there wasn't anything visible actually preventing me from entering. So you know just a few sort of level design gripes. See I want to say get good scrub but um, but unfortunately you're right. Um, thankfully if I remember correctly they're quite few and far between some of the more complex platforming sections, which are the ones where typically you encounter... Like, there's one I remember where the um, the repair kit's up on, like, some pipes in almost, like, a vent section. And that one's really annoying because it's because the way that the pipes are done, 
it's designed so they've almost got like a pipe join and inevitably you end up hitting that with the edge of your shoulder and it will knock you down so i so i do know i know exactly what you mean by that okay james um we spent a lot of time talking about this game as we're coming to the end of this topic, it's only fitting that we talk about the end of the game. Um, so I did finish that game on level 35. What I will say, sort of coming to our very final notes on the game now, is that the final boss was particularly underwhelming. Um, yeah. I know that this is a pretty common criticism of the title. Um, I know that some people were kind of put around the wrong way. You know, your final boss is the vault, which is just a giant alien creature. Although that's not necessarily correct, is it? Because they do say that that vault will open again in 200 years or something like that. It's just that this, you know, that time they'll be able to get to whatever's in there, but not this time. Is that, did I misunderstand that? Yeah. yeah, so the vault isn't the final boss, although that is kind of... That's how, the common misconception, I think. But it is kind of how the game plays out. Um, the vault guardian, which is there, is basically there to guard the vault to stop people getting in and taking what's in it. Hmm. Um but the irony is, is that I don't think there's anything in it anyway. Ah, okay, like, right. The Iridians know, were just playing a little f you on well, no, I think, I think It's either that or it's going to be something like it's Iridian tablets and things like that. There's not going to be treasure like you'd expect. It's what Iridians would consider treasure. Exactly, and and so they, they put the big old Iridian guy, I think it's called the Destroyer. Yes, the final mission is called Destroy the Destroyer. Yeah. Um, so they put that in there to guard it and stop it, you know, stop it getting into enemy hands and things of that nature. And yeah, the, the you know the vault only opens once every two hundred years. You have to charge the key. It's a massive rigmarole to get in there. You kind of expect that you're going to get like a really cool item at the end of it or something really sweet, like shed loads of money or something like that. But yeah, it's it kind of just doesn't really pan out that way, and it is a bit of a disappointment. Um, it's you know. First time I played through the game and got that ending, I was very disappointed. The second time it hit better for me, and I'm, you know, I think it might do likewise the more you play it. But it is just a disappointing boss fight as well. Um, I think you even commented on your stream uh, that uh, you couldn't believe how quickly you got it down to half health. Yeah, I was really surprised. I mean, there were a few close calls during the fight where I went down, but I was able to sort of revive myself using the second win system, which essentially means that if you manage to kill an enemy while you're in a down state you automatically revive with uh, uh, sort of a portion of your health back and your shields back. But it really wasn't that challenging. There were absolutely much harder boss fights, I think, actually. One of the earlier boss fights that I streamed that I think was maybe Sledge? I mean, it was either Sledge or potentially Flint. I, I found that more challenging uh, than the final Destroyer boss fight, where I essentially just hid behind a column and shot it in the eye a bunch. This massive, giant, glowing weak spot. Yeah, no, I, I remember finding the Rack Hive harder. The Rack Hive was a really fun boss fight, and I think that was actually probably the coolest boss in the game. I really did enjoy that one. I thought that, yeah, a giant sort of behemoth boss that was also shooting out mobs that were fairly easy to deal with, not too troublesome. Yeah, and, and it's just, a, it kind of, if I seem to remember the first time I played the game, it, it took me by surprise as well. It comes out of left field a little bit. You sort of enter that, that area, I forget, it's like one of the last two areas that you, I think, and... Uh, it's, if I remember, it just sort of walks out. And then you're just like, little cutscene. You start killing the rack, and then you get closer to it. And then it's just like, it's a really good boss. Really fun. And very different to the other bosses you find in the game. Most of them are humanoid. 
Okay, um, I think that we've uh, pretty much exhausted the topic of Borderlands now. I really don't have anything much more to say other than the fact that I really enjoyed my time playing it. Thanks very much for setting this as a challenge for me over the last week. Um, I completed that bad boy in about 16 hours and 6 minutes, which I'm uh, feeling pretty good about, i got to say. Oh, nice, man. That's really good. Um, I'm glad you enjoyed it, and uh, I guess that makes it one all, doesn't it? One all, absolutely. One all. Yeah. 100% start for both of us as well. That's always a good sign, isn't it? As one of the final parts of our challenge section, it's time for me to unveil my challenge for the next coming week. So without further ado, James, my challenge for you to play this week is... Resident Evil 4. Resident Evil 4. Your favourite one of the series, apart from potentially the two remakes. Uh yeah, so one, Resident actually. Evil Four. Uh, well, I mean, all of the a lot of the titles have special places in my heart and other places of my body. But um, <laughs> but Resident Evil Four is the first one in the series that was actually quite a departure away from the classic fixed camera, pre-rendered backgrounds, tank control type games. You know, all staples of the series up to that point. Leon, who is the uh, main protagonist of this game, and great hair, great hair, great jacket. Um, he is returning from Resident Evil Two in this one after becoming all chummy with the president, and he is off to rescue the president's daughter from a secluded and isolated European village. Somewhere. Oh Christ! Is this the one where she's following you around? That's the one, James. Oh, hell yeah! You'll thank me later for your escort quests. I'll tell oh. you that much. Although it can't actually, can't be any worse you know, than the Bioshock say, one. Hey, uh, you know, this escort quest is probably handled the best out of all escort quests. And uh, yeah, I mean, this is a, a real classic game. It's another game that's close to my heart. I've enjoyed, I've completed many, many times, you know, 10 plus times I've completed this game. Really, really do enjoy it. It's quite a lengthy title. I am interested to see if you're able to complete it. I think based on looking at average completion times, I think that this will be somewhat of a challenge for you. I don't think this will be a walk in the park, but I think that this is absolutely doable as well. No stipulations for this one, I don't think. I think that the length of the game is going to be sort of a challenge in and of itself. So, man, how are you feeling about uh, Resident Evil 4 as your challenge for this week? Gotta say, man, it's uh, it's another strong shout. It's, not, it's one that I've never played before, um, even like remotely casually like most of the time i've played like a single level of mm. some of them or whatever i've not played any of four at all i've heard you sing its praises before i've heard others sing its praises before so i'm looking forward to seeing how i get on man you know obviously horror games aren't my favorite game genre in the world but there's enough passion behind the stories you've told me about the series and this game in particular that i'm gonna give it a damn good go and uh f it, i'll be brash i'm, I'm easily gonna finish it this week no problem. <laughs> nice. No problem at all. I might not get all of the unlockables and no. things like that, but I fully intend to finish the game. Um, yeah, I'm going to give it my all, and we'll see if I can get to 2-1 and put the pressure back on you at the uh, next week. Absolutely. Okay, James, with that, I think we've come to the end of our Games Challenge segment. I think it's time to move on to the closing of the podcast. Closing of the podcast! So, James, what have we learned today? Well, I learnt... I might have to eat my words about The Last of Us if it ends up being good. <laughs> Everyone, drop into James's DMs and hey, tell him what you think gameplay about looks his boring. trash Sorry. opinion on Last of Us Controls 1. Controls look clunky. <laughs> Story, great. The rest of it, not sure. But I've never played it, so who am I to say? Have you learnt anything this week? 
Uh, well, I suppose uh, on that same tone, uh, we've learned today that Last of Us 1 is actually, as of now, available on the PlayStation 5. Uh, I don't own a PlayStation 5, so I don't really know what to do with that news other than to think, great, at some point it may find its way to PC and be heavily reduced on a sale, and I may consider picking it up at some point. We also learned that Tetris pieces are referred to as Tetraminos. Thank you for that very interesting tidbit, James. You're most welcome. In closing, uh, I just wanted to say a very special, huge thank you from myself and James to our early listeners. Uh, Your support in the early stages of getting this podcast set up really does mean the world to both of us. I echo that sentiment. It's been really, really cool to see how many people have uh, tuned in to listen to us talk shit about games and have trash opinions. So really, really, really big thanks from both of us for that. It really does mean a lot. And for God's sake, don't be afraid to rate us five stars. If you would like to pop us a review, uh, you can do so on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. So once again, a huge thank you to our listeners, supporters, and anyone interacting with us on social media. With all that said, one last time, you can find more episodes of the podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and pretty much anywhere else you get your podcasts by searching for Total Pod Mode. Remember, we also post additional regular video content of our gameplay challenge footage, Twitch stream highlights, as well as the podcast on our YouTube channel under Total Pod Mode. You can also find us on Twitter by searching for at Total Pod Mode, all one word. Or you can find me at Hoodafunk on Twitter, and I'm also on Twitch under twitch.tv forward slash Hoodafunk. That's W-H-O-D-A-H-F-U-N-K. And you can find me on Twitter at MrBames, and on Twitch at twitch.tv forward slash MrBames underscore TPM, where I promise there will be some actual f***ing content at some point, and <laughs> in, hopefully in the next few days. <laughs> Great. Okay. Thanks, everyone. Until next week, thanks again for listening. Bye-bye now. Bye now.